Welcome to the Heritage Temple Corps podcast. The Salvation Army Heritage Temple Corps is located at 2200 Fifth Avenue, Moline, Illinois, 61265. This week, Major Lisa Davis continues the Advent series with a message called The World As It Is. The scripture comes from Matthew 1:18 through 2:12. Now, on to Major Lisa Davis and the message entitled, The World As It Is. The scripture read, reading for this uh, second week of Advent comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's chapter 1, and I'm beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This year, I feel like I've seen more people decorate for Christmas earlier than they ever do. Now, I'm kind of a procrastinator, so usually I'm a little later than most people. But this year, I've seen people in September putting up their Christmas trees, and that's fine. It's your house. Put up the Christmas tree if you want to. It doesn't bother me. But it does just seem to be a thing that's happening this year, earlier and earlier. Before Halloween, people were putting up their Christmas trees, which... uh, I'm not sure why that's true. I suspect it might have something to do with people just being ready to be done with 2020 and and move on to something that's joyous and and, uh, celebratory and beautiful, and that's fine. Usually, our Christmas decorations at our house are kind of simple. We do the things that most people do. We have a Christmas tree. We have, you know, some of the some Christmas dishes, you know, those kinds of things. What I particularly like is, uh, is some, is nativity scenes. And I didn't set out to be a collector of those, but friends have given me a few over the years. And my, the, I guess it's a collection at this point has grown. So we have those sort of set around our home to remind us. I have one, um, that a friend gave to me in a year when I was a single officer and I really didn't have any Christmas decorations. I was young and I just hadn't collected any along the way. And she, uh, my friend, gave me a really nice, 
nice little simple nativity scene. It's just one archway with Mary and Joseph and the baby and a little star that hangs down. And every year I get it out and I put it up and I have great memories of that uh, Christmas a long time ago. We have one from the children's home in Haiti where the, the manger part is half of a coconut. And that's very special to our family. We like the little clay figures that represent the people in the story and they're painted by the children in the children's home so they're very bright colors and we all look forward to putting that one out because we particularly like it. I have somebody last year gave me the one with the Charlie Brown people in it even. So we have a lot of different representations. There are a lot of different representations. Last year Brian and I were able to go to um, downtown Chicago to a, an art museum not the Art Institute, but a, just a smaller museum that had a whole display of nativity scenes from around the world, crushes from around the world. And it was amazing. There were three huge rooms filled with all kinds of portrayals of the, the story, the nativity story, the story of Christmas. And they're made of all the different materials. They're made, they're, some of them are very large and elaborate. Some are teeny tiny little things. Some of them are, you know, they're made of the materials that people like to work with or that they have to work with in different parts of the world. Some of them are done by artists working in various different uh, mediums and materials. And it's just really kind of amazing to see. There was one uh, that was very contemporary, um, but I don't think I'll ever forget it. The the stable was actually one of those box cheese graters, you know, that you have in your in your kitchen. And that was stood up as as the stable. And the angel above it was made from a corkscrew with the arms out, you know, like this. And the uh, people in the story were all made out of silverware. So a spoon became a shepherd or a fork became, you know, somebody else. And it was just it. But when I looked at it, I could see I could see a stable and a star, and a manger, and Mary and Joseph. And so people have portrayed this story in various different ways. The scripture that we read today, the story that Matthew tells, I kind of feel like it's a nativity scene with some of the pieces missing. In his story, really arguably this Probably the second most, I mean, the baby in the manger is the most important, but the second most important person in the story is probably Mary, and she really only appears offstage in Matthew's account. In Matthew's story, it's really just, it centers on Joseph. And what we find out about Joseph is that he is a man in a very difficult position. Matthew describes him, he gives us just a couple of details about Joseph's life, and so what we know about him from, from just reading, if we only could read the story that Matthew tells, he describes Joseph as a righteous man who has a fiancé who's also righteous, and a really, really hard story to accept. Mary and Joseph, both of them righteous, meaning not just that they had the right pedigree, 
that not just that they were part of the right religion, but that their actions were right as well. They were living actually righteous lives. They were doing everything right. But offstage, in a story that another gospel tells, an angel has appeared to Mary and given her this news that she is going to be the mother of the Son of God. Now, that is a story that Joseph was not ready to hear. If you read Matthew's account, Joseph, still trying to be faithful to the law, really doesn't have any good choices once that story comes to him, once he hears it. What should he do with that story? He had in mind, Matthew says, that he would divorce Mary quietly so that she wouldn't be exposed to public disgrace. I mean, her life would have been ruined at the least, and she could even have been killed in that kind of situation. So Joseph was trying to make the least bad choice by divorcing him, by divorcing her quietly. But as so often happens in the, in the Bible, uh, Joseph has a dream. Walter Brighaman, the theologian, says that dreams are, uh, in the Bible, dreams are always ways of God breaking into human life. And that's true when you read through, the, through all of Scripture. People have dreams, and, it's, and they're the voice of God to them. And if, if we were trying to portray this maybe on stage or in a movie or something like that, you know, I could see Joseph pacing around and not knowing what to do and maybe finally going to bed and flipping over, flipping back, flipping over, flipping back, punching the pillow, you know, all, kind, all of that thing, all the things that would say this is a really restless, dramatic, terrible moment for him. But he finally does fall asleep, and an angel comes to him in his dream. And the angel says to him what angels always say when they appear in Scripture, don't be afraid. Now, when somebody says don't be afraid, it's usually because there's every reason to be afraid. And that was true for him. If you want to think about this story, if it's hard to think about this story, imagine this. Imagine if someone you knew to be completely righteous, a couple, completely righteous people, completely right, complete, living their lives completely right, and then this scandalous news started leaking out about them. Imagine if there were Bethlehem Twitter or Facebook. Imagine the stories that would have been circulating about Mary and Joseph. Imagine how terrible that would be. And that's where Joseph was. And there was every reason to be afraid. Mary could have been killed. His life could have been ruined. And an angel shows up and said, 
Joseph, don't be afraid to go ahead and do what God had put in your mind to do originally. Don't be afraid to go ahead with your plan to take Mary home as your wife. And I don't know, we only get that much of the story. I don't know if those are the only words the angel said, but that he, the angel said enough to Joseph that he was able to do that. And we know from the rest of the story, we know, of course, the rest of the story, we know that he does go ahead. He does take Mary home as his wife. And they do end up making that journey to Bethlehem that we're so familiar with and um, ending up, you know, uh, on Christmas with, with the birth of Jesus. But it really, the story really begins in a, in a very uncertain time. It was a very uncertain time. It was a very scary time. It was a time, it was exactly the right time for someone, an angel, to say to Joseph, don't be afraid. The angel uh, was a messenger to, to, uh, to Joseph. And part of the message was, don't be afraid, but the rest of it is is equally important. We'll come back to don't be afraid in just a minute. But the angel goes on to tell Joseph, to give Joseph some details about, in a sense, why he, sh why he didn't have to be afraid. And it's in th those, that message is in verse 21, and then a little bit later in, again in verse 25, where he gives Joseph some details about this child who is to be born. And the first thing he says is, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then later in verse 23, he says he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph was afraid. He lived in a very uncertain time. He was a person who really had done all the right things, and yet the rug just got pulled right out from under him. I mean, just in, an, in a one instant, his whole life changed. Everything he thought was going to happen suddenly was uncertain. Everything, every plan he had suddenly had, was just gone. Everything he believed about Mary was, was questioned. I suspect everything he believed about God might have been questioned in that moment. The stories of Mary, the story of Mary and Luke, Mary gets to have a response to the angel. She gets to ask the angel some questions. When the angel comes to Mary and gives her the news, Mary is able to say back to the angel, how can that be? And she gets an answer, well, because the Holy Spirit will, will make it happen. And Mary gets to have that great moment where she says, then, then let it be, then, then I'll, I'll accept that. And we don't get that from Joseph. 
in this. We don't get a verbal response from him in this story. We do know that his response was that he, he was, he continued to be faithful. He continued to be righteous. He did what he was told to do. And so that's a response of a, of a different kind, not verbal, but by action. He, he apparently, he accepted the angel's message to him. I think Joseph could be the man of the year for 2020. Everything changed. Everything was different. Nothing seemed certain at that moment for him. Everything was a question mark. If you're like me, you started a planner at the beginning of 2020 and probably threw it away by April because everything changed. Everything was different. Everything was canceled or changed or altered in some way. So we can probably relate. This is a year maybe when we read this story of Joseph and maybe we're more sympathetic than we ever have been to his situation. And maybe that's why we need to pay attention to those two descriptions that the angel gives to him about Jesus. He says, the angel says to Joseph, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We're the Salvation Army. So when we use the word save, we often mean to rescue from judgment, to, um, to accept Jesus, you know, to, to be saved. That's how we use it. Most often, that's, that's how it should be used. That's exactly what it means, to be rescued from sin, to be rescued from judgment, to be given eternal life, to be changed from the inside out. It's, it's what's captured later in 2 Corinthians when the description is, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. That act, that's exactly what that means. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. It means that he will take us from wherever we start and make us partakers of his divine life, his divine nature, and his divine life. That really is a game-changer statement. He will save his people. He will rescue his people. He will change their lives all the way, completely different. And the second thing the angel said to Joseph about this baby who was to come is also pretty important for us to consider as we think about this Christmas that's different maybe from every other Christmas. It's different from every Christmas of my lifetime and I suspect it might be the same for you. It just feels different. It feels less certain. It feels less celebratory in, in a way. It just feels different. And that's why we need so much to hear again this description 
that the angels also gave to, to Jesus. And he said he'll be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now before we get too wrapped up in how our world is right now, it's kind of worth remembering that the first century world was pretty uncertain as well. The people hearing this message in the first century were, their lives were pretty uncertain. Rome was oppressing them. They were not in a great economic position. They weren't in a position of power. They were people who um, didn't have a lot of certainty in their lives. Most people were living just day to day. And into that world came the one who was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so today, as you look at your world and the uncertainties of it, and not there's no not to make light of anybody's uncertainty. Some people have sort of sailed through 2020 and been pretty much okay. Maybe just inconvenienced by pandemic, by injustice, by uncertainty, all of those things that have happened, you know, all of it rolled up in one. Some people have been sort of unaffected by it in some ways, but some people have been seriously affected People have lost jobs. People have lost their homes. People have, uh, your people are having to change their whole lives around because their kids aren't going to school. The kids can't go to school, and that means I can't go to work, or my work isn't isn't there anymore. It's an uncertain time, as it was for Joseph. But we're invited to take today to to take. This moment, the title of this sermon that was given to this sermon is The World As It Is. And we can look at the world around us and we can see maybe a lot of things that we wish were different. Maybe we can look at our own lives and see a lot of things that we wish were different. Maybe, like many people, you may have spent some time during this year saying to God, why aren't you doing something? Do you not see what's happening? Maybe you've used some of those psalms of lament as your prayers this year. That's okay. It's okay to say to God, help is a very good prayer. But we come to this moment and maybe the prayers we need to use, appropriate prayers today, might come right from this scripture. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins, which isn't just about salvation in that spiritual sense, but it is really truly about rescue and about um, help helping them, get empowering his people from within. 
That All of that is in that word save. Maybe that's a great prayer for you today. Maybe the prayer for you today is, Jesus, save me. Save my family. Save, save my situation. That is a very fine Advent prayer. Or the other one is equally good. There's another Advent prayer in there. And that is God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, help me see that you're with me. That's a very fine, that's a very good Advent prayer and a very appropriate one for this year. So the angel came to Joseph and his message was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to participate in the work of God, which God was doing in Mary, in the world. Don't be afraid to participate in that, even where you don't understand it, even where it doesn't make sense and you can't explain it to your friends and you know that other people think it's a little bit crazy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be true to who you are. Don't be afraid to be true to your faith in God, that God is doing something that you can't quite explain. Don't be afraid because Jesus is able to save. Jesus is able to restore. Jesus is able to keep us when the world around us goes funny, when the world gets very uncertain, we can be certain of Jesus' power and desire and ability to save and keep us. Because he is with us. It might be the craziest thing you say this year. But maybe just as a simple statement of faith, you can say, Jesus is here. Jesus is here with me now. Like Joseph, our lives this year have maybe been, have been uncertain, Maybe you come to this moment in time and you feel a lot like he did. Unsettled, restless, afraid, not certain at all. And so I invite you today, I think the response called for from this scripture is to reach again, to, have, to get that little bit of faith that whatever amount of faith you have, maybe it's just a little bit at this point, but to turn it and say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust that you're with me. And I'm asking you to save. Help me to be faithful. As you're with me, help me to be 
Help me to represent you in this world. Those are good Advent prayers. We sing a song, Joseph's choice. He really didn't, he wasn't left with much of a choice. He, he didn't, the, the angel said, go. Just go and be faithful. Go, go ahead with your plan. Go follow God's plan. And he did. He, had, he listened and he obeyed. We used to sing an old, we sing an old song, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And maybe that sounds a little bit trite. But really, it's the only choice. It's really the only choice we have when we come to the story of Jesus. We listen. We hear again the message, don't be afraid. Believe and obey. Trust and obey. It's enough. It's enough to trust and obey that God is with us, that Jesus is saving us even in this uncertain time. Thank you for joining us this week as Major Lisa Davis brought us the message called The World as it is.